Episode 2. Remember last episode when I told you about how my community mostly hangs out in Discord offline? Well, that's where nearly all of my communication with John took place. After everything came to a head in the summer of 2022, John deactivated his Discord account. I thought by doing so, the system had automatically deleted all of his messages to me. When I looked at our direct message exchange in the days that had led up to the big incident, I really only saw my own replies. So my plan when I set out to write this episode was just to scroll back to see what I had said in order to get kind of a rough timeline of things. That was when I realized not all of John's messages were gone. If I had scrolled back far enough, the messages were still there. Or at least some of them were. He had selectively deleted them. So in this episode, when I give you the backstory of this situation, I need you to know that some of it is pieced together from swaths of text where I kind of appear to be talking to myself. You'll hear an AI voice reading some of John's Discord messages, whatever was left. I have input them into a text reader exactly as they are written, grammatical errors and all, so I'm not editorializing. I also need you to know that when I'm rereading this stuff, it makes me more and more aware of what a fool I was all along. I'm Katie Ruvalcaba, and this is Parasocial Anxiety. If you haven't listened to episode one, I suggest you stop now and go back. In order to understand the online culture in which this story takes place, you really need a little bit of background information about my community on Twitch. This podcast isn't going anywhere, so just head back over to episode one, super short, I'll wait right here. Okay, if you're still listening, I'm assuming that you're all caught up and that you know that this all started, in my mind, with a gift of a car seat for my youngest daughter, Mary. Mary is a true Twitch baby. Literally everything that we had for her as an infant was sent by chat. Her college fund is mostly funded by chat. Most of the chat would start a fight to defend Mary's honor. So while I was completely floored by John's generosity in sending the car seat, it's worth noting that when it comes to Mary, the chat is overwhelmingly generous and has always been incredible. So although the car seat, which was sent in May of 2020, is a tidy place to start this story, that incident sort of gets muddled in with a lot of other things that completely blew my mind. They sent a crib, a stroller, these beautiful hand crocheted blankets, all of these things that chat sent for Mary, they, they just totally floored me. So even though the car seat was an amazingly generous gift, it only sort of put John on my radar. Maybe it should have stood out to me more at the time, but it didn't. I knew John's chat name and that he had sent a generous gift, but that was the whole of it up until that point. In August of 2020, about a month before my baby shower and about three months after the car seat was sent, John messaged me to tell me that he had multiple sclerosis. It kind of came out of nowhere. As far as I can tell, we weren't chatting before that other than I said thank you for the seat. I remember when he sent me the message, I was thinking how lonely it must have been to have horrible things happen in your life, and the person that you want to talk to about it is a stranger who lives on the other side of the world. John lives in the UK. Now, I don't take that lightly. The people in my community are important to me, and as long as I have the time and I'm not busy being a mom, I'm going to chat with people about what's going on in their lives. Most people in my community are very respectful of my time, probably even more so than I am. So I chatted with him a bit in Discord about how he was feeling. I told him I didn't know much about MS, and he gave me what kind of looked like he had copied and pasted from the NHS website to explain it. To be honest, everything I knew about MS at the time came from Jed Bartlett. If you don't know who that is, thanks for making me feel old. 
Jed Bartlett was the president in The West Wing, a political drama from the late 90s, early 2000s. Honestly, if you want to pause the podcast right now and go watch all seven seasons, I wouldn't blame you. It's a really good show. Anyway, President Bartlett had MS, and the big scandal in seasons two and three was that he had hit it when he was being elected the first time, so when he was uh, up for re-election, they were investigating him for that fraud. Apparently, the fictional voters in Bartlett's world were concerned that he was dying and he wouldn't be a great person to vote into office. So they spent a good portion of that season telling the American people that his MS was relapsing and remitting, which meant that he had attacks where his immune system would attack his nervous system. It causes things like pain, numbness, dizziness, blurred vision, difficulty walking. But Jed repeatedly reassured the American people that it was not fatal. So when John told me that he had MS, I had Jed Bartlett on my mind. At this point, I knew so little about John that I only referred to him by his Twitch handle. Literally, my last message to him in 2020 was, thank you for your address. I'll make sure and send a thank you card. Wait, what's your real name? It was nearly a year before I heard from John again. In July of 2021, I got a notification on my phone from PayPal. I wasn't streaming. I was just cooking lunch for my kids. I looked down at my phone and it said, John has tipped you $100. Now, for this, I need to give you kind of a little inside baseball about Twitch. There's three ways to financially support a streamer. Subscriptions are the $5 that you pay directly to Twitch. Twitch keeps track of the number of subscriptions that a streamer gets each month and then splits the proceeds with the streamer in a monthly payout. Bits kind of work the same way. A viewer will pay $1.70 for 100 bits and they pay that directly to Twitch and then you can put those bits into a streamer's chat. One bit is equal to one cent. So if you give 100 bits, you just gave the streamer a dollar. Twitch keeps track of all of that too, and they pay that out at the same time as the subs, once a month. And you don't really get like a breakdown of anything when you get paid out by Twitch. But then there's donations. Donations come directly to the streamer in real time. They get deposited immediately into our PayPal accounts. So if you look at your account, you'll see the person who donated the money's first and last name. Sometimes it has their address, but usually not. I try not to look at the names of the people who donate because it's not really polite in online culture to refer to somebody by their real name unless they've given you permission, and I don't want to get confused. So when I got this $100 donation notification, I was not streaming, so it took me a few seconds to connect that IRL name with the Twitch handle of the person who had messaged me about having MS almost a year earlier. But I realized who it was, and I messaged him, and I said, hey, I saw that. Thank you. How are you feeling? He told me that he was feeling unwell, that he was ill, And I was still thinking of Jed. I asked him if this was a permanent thing or did it kind of come and go for him? He just said he was going to go lie down and the conversation ended there. That was a little strange to me. $100 was a lot of money to me. It felt like he was trying to get my attention, but then he didn't really say much. Maybe he was just really private and didn't want to answer questions about his illness. And, you know, fair enough. So I let it go. Over the next few days, though, he was on my mind. I don't get a lot of offline donations, especially not large ones like that. So I reached out to him to let him know that I was praying for him. Now, I know that prayer gets a bad rap in today's world because it seems just so trite to offer thoughts and prayers in the face of a tragedy, but I have to tell you that for me, as a person of faith, offering prayer is no small thing. If you're not a believer, it can feel a lot like just sending good vibes, but for me, it's like going to ask my dad, who just happens to be all-powerful and can move mountains, to literally move a mountain for me. It's nothing small. In fact, it's the biggest thing I have to give when there's nothing I can personally do. 
So when I messaged John to tell him I was thinking of him and praying for him, I meant it genuinely. Over the next few weeks, John messaged me a few times to tell me that he was having emergency doctor's appointments for pain in his legs. Around that time, I was pretty regularly going to a spin class at my gym, so whenever I was absolutely dying of pain in my legs, I would think of John and I would offer up my pain for him. That's like a weird Catholic thing that probably doesn't mean much to you if you're not Catholic, but suffice it to say, it was me telling God that I'd like my pain to substitute for what John was feeling. It's sort of like a physical type of empathy, I guess. Most of John's messages from this period have been deleted, but from my replies, I can tell he was expressing a lot of pain. I let him know that I'd asked a priest friend of mine to say Mass for him. What worried me most, though, was that he had needed someone to see his pain so badly that he sent $100 to a woman he'd only spoken to a handful of times who lived across the world. This wasn't like other donations I had gotten on stream in the past. We weren't raising money for one of my kids. I wasn't asking to upgrade stream equipment. I wasn't even live. He didn't even get to see my reaction. Because John has deleted most of his interactions with me from this period, the Discord log sort of reads like a manic person repeatedly saying, I'm so sorry, that sounds awful, can I do anything? But every now and then, there's a message from John that has been left, and they say things like this. Hi Katie, thanks for all your help you've been. I will listen to the podcast I am laying on the sofa trying to stop me from doing anything stupid. I can't get the suicide thoughts out of my head. I am taking deep breath in and out and one of my best friend Chloe is coming round when she finishes work to stay with me for bit as Chloe just live in the next road to me. Once again Katie thank you for being there and I am sorry for worrying you. Things went really fast from there. On July 26th John donated $500 to me while I was offline. I was shocked. I messaged him to tell him that he really shouldn't be donating to me while he has so much else going on. I felt astronomically guilty taking his money. I wasn't even earning it with a stream. I felt like he was paying me to care about him. I told him that I would care about him no matter what, that he didn't need to do that. But things seemed to go from bad to worse for John. He told me that he was rushed to the emergency department and that he had some sort of surgery for lesions on his brain and spinal cord, I guess caused by his MS. He was put on a feeding tube and his pain was completely out of control. He was also having seizures regularly, so his doctors were telling him that he needed to start chemotherapy to reduce the lesions or he would die. He started talking about writing his will, leaving money to our community nonprofit, the Good Egg Fund. At one point, he messaged me and said, would you like to know how much money I'm leaving to the Good Egg Fund? I wasn't ready to talk about it. He also donated another $500 offline again, and then $200, and then $500. If you're keeping track, that's $1,700 in about a week. That's a lot. I was worried. Hi Katie, I am just feeling confused about the news I got yesterday. My pain is at its worst. If it is okay Katie, can you please pray for me? I don't know what the future going to be for me. That what is upsetting to me. Be clear, at this point, I thought it was unlikely that he was truly dying. I had paid a lot of attention to Jed Bartlett. MS is not a fatal disease. I couldn't find much online to support the idea that lesions were a common cause of death in MS patients. John himself had told me in that very first conversation when we talked about him having MS that his aunt had had MS and had died at the age of 70. At this point, I thought he was in pain and maybe kind of freaking out a bit. I'm confident that he thought he was going to die. I've never had MS, so I can't imagine, you know, the pain that it causes people. But I do know that when something hurts badly enough, it can feel like the end. 
But since there had never been a doctor to tell him that, or at least not from what he had told me, I figured he was just panicking. I didn't want him to give away all of his money and then end up living another 40 years totally broke. And I told him as much, too. I told him he needed to keep his money. I literally typed, what are you doing? Stop. You need your money. But his reaction wasn't what I expected. I am sorry if I donated too much to you. Thanks for letting me. I just like to help when I can. I am going to listen to Spotify. I have started feel sick again. You take care. I am sorry I did not tell you earlier when I done the donate. It was meant to be done after the nurse done my feeding for the night, but I fell asleep. I felt exhausted yesterday. You DM me to ask how there was pain. It's still quite bad in my legs. Take care. Yeah, you heard that correctly. He was apologizing to me for giving me a gift. I felt terrible. I used to get really upset with my mother-in-law for getting my kids too many Christmas presents. I was not raised in a gift-giving family, so this was a strange way to show affection to me. Eventually, like everyone does, I learned about the love languages, and I realized that my mother-in-law was just showing my kids love when she gave them gifts. And so when I would ask her not to give them so many, she perceived that as me telling her to love them less. Worse, when she offered to give me something and I rejected it, she perceived it as me rejecting her love. It created a pretty serious rift in our family for the first few years of my marriage. This is what I was thinking of as John apologized to me for donating money. I was rejecting his love. My stated goal was to let people know that they are loved and worthy of love, and I'm over here telling a man who, at a minimum, believes that he's dying, that he shouldn't be showing love. It felt awful. From that point on, I just tried to say thank you when John would donate things. If you're a member of my stream community, you already know this, but even in the best of circumstances, I have a hard time just accepting things from people, even compliments. All the time, they're telling me, just say thank you, Katie. John was starting chemotherapy in early August. The night before he was supposed to start treatment, he donated $580 to buy me a new bike, which I had been talking about doing on stream. He had already donated enough money for me to buy the bike, but I had been trying to make sure that I had some saved for the kids' college or paid toward our mortgage. So, like, remember, this whole stream thing is completely fleeting in my mind. So every time I have more than I need, I try to pay down debt or give to others or make something better for my family. We were super broke before this, so my mind is always thinking that we need to prepare for the end so that we're never back where we were before I started streaming. But even still, Mary had gotten this new baby bike seat, and I didn't have a bike to put it on, so I thought it would be okay if I just used some of that money to get myself a new bike. But I was being super careful about how much I spent on it, I was checking lots of reviews, and apparently my being weird about spending money on the bike told John that he needed to send more money to buy the bike, on top of what he had already sent. My very Catholic heart was riddled with guilt. Over the next week, John's friend Brooke started texting me using John's Discord profile. She didn't have one of her own. She kept me informed over Discord on John's treatment. He was taking it very badly, consistently short of breath, vomiting, pulling out his feeding tube during seizures. She would tell me how scared he was and how she didn't want to lose her best friend. This is AI reading one of the first messages that Brooke sent. I'd just like to say that John is 38 years old, and his birthday is... And I am 35 years old, and my birthday is... I am so heartbreaking at the moment. Just one thing set me off, and I have to count up to 10 before I start getting upset. I have already done that. When I was going to get a coffee and I started crying. If anything happens to him I will be devastated. 
That was sent completely out of context. I really didn't know what to make of it. The birthdays that are bleeped out, incidentally, were each one day away from people in my family's birthdays. It was sort of a strange coincidence. But with the rest of it, she was clearly worried. Every night that week was worse than the one before it, according to Brooke. John's dad was at the hospital with him, and they were giving him morphine through his feeding tube. Every message I got from Brooke was full of bad news until August 11th, five days after starting chemo, Brooke told me that John had had an MRI to see if the lesions had shrunk with the chemo, and they hadn't. Brooke said that John and his dad were both in tears, that John was terminal, and there was nothing else they could do for them. The message that I sent to Brooke that day said, I'm sort of in shock. I knew he was very ill, but I guess I wasn't realizing how bad it was until today. I was sure he would get better. I'm just stunned. For the next few days after that, Brooke was talking about how sad she will be when John dies. But then there was some times when she seemed super excited. I also forgot to say, John had a surprise sent to Chloe home, which is just over the other side of town. I always want a PlayStation 5, but I could not or afford it. But John got me one, and a year pass of PlayStation Live, and a £150 gift card to buy some games. I am so thankful for John for buying that for me. I hug him and said thank you to John. PlayStation 5s were hard to come by in the summer of 2021, so in my mind he had to buy one aftermarket and it was going to send him back a few thousand pounds. It felt like John was trying to gift people all his life savings before he left the world. He wanted to see people happy, I guess? At least, that was what I thought. And then he donated $1,000 to me during my stream on August 16th. It was the largest single donation I had ever had, and I cried. I told chat it was likely this was the last time we would see John because of the bad news he had gotten. Boy, was I wrong. The last few weeks of August in my stream were completely out of control. Streams where John donated $1,000 five times in a row. Just one right after the other, I stood there breathless and concerned while my donation meter shot up to a number that was higher than a full month's worth of my family's normal income. I had mentioned earlier in the last podcast that I'm very careful to tell chat what I intend to use their donations for. So sometimes the goal will say something silly when I don't really need any money from them and I want them to know that. On that day, it said graham crackers, probably because my kids had torn through a box of graham crackers like it was their job. I literally spent a few minutes up in my head trying to decide if this $5,000 donation on that dono goal meant that I was required by my own code of ethics to buy $5,000 worth of graham crackers. John told me after the stream that I could use it for anything I wanted. I've never had that kind of extra money in my life, and I didn't want to be a bad steward of it. It made me very nervous for days. So I obsessed about what was the right thing to do for a long time before I just did what all people who have been poor at some point in their life do. I paid down our mortgage. The second time he did that, I was in a bike shop. I was getting my tire trued on the bike that he had just bought me. During that stream, there wasn't even a donation bar on the screen because I was streaming from my cell phone. The only way to even know that a donation had been made was because a small notification shows up in chat. Five times in a row... John donated $1,000, scrolled by. The chat was losing it. They were so excited for me. Because to them, they were watching a streamer that they like catch a really lucky break. But that is not how it felt to me. I didn't know what to do or what to say. I was, I was concerned. I didn't need that money. And if you haven't caught on by now, I'm religious and I take my faith very seriously. 
St. Basil will tell you that if you have two coats, your second coat belongs to the poor as a matter of justice. So me sitting here having too much money felt unjust. This money rightly should go to someone else who needs it. My head was spinning. I thought I might faint. (laughs) And don't forget, I'm standing in the middle of a bike shop. How do you properly thank somebody for $5,000 that you didn't think they should be donating to you in the first place while there's a 17-year-old kid tightening your bike wheel? I spread a lot of that money around. I gave some to my church, some to a few of my moderators, some to other streamers who were struggling. Right now, as I'm telling you this, I feel like you probably all hate me. Most of you are thinking, what an ungrateful brat. I would love to have your problems. Too much money? Oh, no. And I get that. I wanted to just be grateful and to be excited, but instead I felt undeserving and guilty. But maybe that's what it was meant to do. All told, my records indicate that over $25,000 was donated by John, most of that in August of 2021. Keep in mind, John reached out to me for the first time in over a year in July of 2021. Less than six weeks had passed when all of this was going down. Have you ever been in a relationship where it seems like things have just gotten way out of hand before you were ready? You know, like that episode of Friends where Monica goes on a date with a guy from the diner that she works at, and he says he's going to take her to this great little Italian place he knows, but then he puts her on a private jet to Italy? It felt like that. This was way over the top, and I was feeling unsafe. Before the fall was over, John had sent me a new gaming PC. He'd sent money to my family, specifying that my family needed to use it to go on vacation to Disney World. I know this sounds great, but it had just gotten to the point where I was afraid to talk about anything on stream in case John thought that I wanted him to buy it for me. Like this one time I joked, yeah, I need a cricket machine like twice a year to make stuff for the kids, but then it would probably sit on the shelf the rest of the time. Guess what was in my P.O. box 24 hours later? I couldn't believe it. I really, I felt sick. I didn't deserve it. I could hear my mom's voice in my head from that first year where I was streaming telling me, you can't keep that. I was worried that the community would feel like I was all about the money if I was too happy to receive it during streams, and then I also worried that they would think I was terribly ungrateful if I didn't react strongly enough. I like to tell people that I love them all exactly the same, no matter how much money they have to donate, whether they can afford a sub or not. So having this huge discrepancy was really throwing me off. I was visibly concerned every time he was in chat. Not to mention, it felt like I was trying to take advantage of a dying man. Didn't John have a family who needed this money when he was gone? How could I be the person he wanted to give all this to? And I know he had told me early on that he felt lonely and alone, but I couldn't be the only person in his life who could use this kind of money. Something was off about this situation, and my spidey senses were tingling. Like, what about his friend Brooke? She was obviously into getting stuff from him. Why not just give it to her? She's the one by his side every day. What about her? Yeah. What about Brooke? Next time. This episode of Parasocial Anxiety was written, edited, and produced by me, Katie Ruvalcaba. Cover art by Brandon Ocampo and theme music by Cybris. If you're enjoying Parasocial Anxiety and would like to encourage more content of this type, please consider donating at paypal.me slash mrsruby. Make sure to follow the podcast at psanxietypod on Twitter and Instagram, and feel free to DM with any questions you might have. See you next week.